Hi, this is Rafiv Ziada, and you're listening to 3CR, pro-Palestinian, happily proud radio. Bring me shelter, I will not harm you. Bring me shelter, please. Bring me shelter, I will not harm you. I would shelter you. People would do anything for their families. It could happen to anyone anytime. Somebody in France, somebody in England basically sat down with a ruler and just drew lines on that. There are many different ethnic and religious groups that have been divided across borders. And this has caused a significant amount of conflict. There are a lot of people who need safety. It is really cruel for a country like Australia to have policies that are focused only on pushing people away. What we're seeing is a number of people that remain in a state of limbo. And when non-sustainable land use combines with climate change, the crisis of refugees. I wasn't able to go and play with children. I had to go and really be an adult from a very young age. I think that's something that a lot of migrant children can relate to. Really, it was a dream for me to reunite with my family. I was just praying and hoping that that day will come one day. I think it's very important for people to understand that people have their own dreams as well and they're wanting to change the world with everybody else. Refugee Radio, 8.55 AM, Tricia. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land who we are broadcasting from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and respect the elders past, present and emerging and their ongoing struggle. Welcome to Refugee Radio this week on 3CR, listening on 855am or listening on 3cr.org.au. This week we are going to be remembering the 20th anniversary of the Chev X disaster, where there was over 350 people who drowned trying to seek safety in Australia and 43 survived. This was on the 19th of October in 2001 and we are going to be listening to a recording now called Wrapped in Systemic Silence which explains what happened in this tragedy and also some short interview with one of the survivors. Have a listen. The mystery of Civex. In the darkest of night, 421 asylum seekers boarded a rickety, overcrowded, unseaworthy, leaky vessel from Sumatra, Indonesia, bound for Australia. The people boarding had fled Iraq and Afghanistan. The vessel sank the next day. 353 people drowned, 146 children, 142 women and 65 men. This boat has since become known as Civex. Civex is code for suspected illegal entry vessel unknown. Questions at the heart of this story relate to the position of this boat at the time of its sinking. Survivors tell us 
that a hundred people remained alive in the water that night when two large vessels arrived and shone light across the water on these floating subjects but failed to rescue anyone. Only 45 people were eventually assisted by nearby Indonesian fishermen. It is 10 years since the Civex sank and hundreds of people drowned and 10 years since the Howard government manufactured war on refugees. Outstanding are questions relating to the identity of this leaky Indonesian vessel and the controversy concerning misleading evidence on which government officials and agencies were involved, if not with the Indonesians themselves, be it collusive forms of sabotage or deterrent asylum seeker boat policies, there are questions, especially in relation to the timing and observance of the sinking of this boat. Who were those vessels that turned up in the middle of the night, yet failed to rescue those drowning? Put another way, when did the Australian authorities really find out about this boat and the fact that it was sinking? Despite a number of Australian Senate motions, a full independent inquiry into this tragedy has yet to be held. Today, in 2011, people from around Australia have come to Canberra to the Memorial of Civic X to remember all those lost. In the field, at the site of the memorial, on a sunny and very windy day, I made this video hoping to raise your curiosity as to what really happened on the night of the sinking of the Civic X. Tell us more about what happened on that tragic night is Ferris Chandini, who survived the experience but without his family. If you want to ask about my boat, how long and how wide, I reckon about nearly 20 meters long and 4 meters something wide. Because my boat very, very small, very, very small and very, very tiny, and we don't have room for men. Just we, in, we separate in the roof. So these are your daughters? Yeah. Your wife and your daughter? Yeah. This is Zahra, seven years old, and this is my wife of 35 of age. Before, boys sink about two, three, four minutes, and I go with them. I hold their hands. We jump. We jump with her. I am in the front and my family, my wife and my daughter with women and children. And we jump after the boat clips to us. If you want to count, I'm not sure, maybe 420, 440. What happened with the boat? Uh, too many reasons we have a problem with the boat. First, with the problem with water pump. The smuggler people, they cheat us. They said, I put for you two new water pump, new, brand new spear and when we went we take we want to take one we didn't see two just we see one full of rust and rust make the water pump like ash and slowly slowly everything is gone 
and everything we throw out in the ocean because we want to make the boat light. And all men, we said, all men, we have to go downstairs in the ocean. Yes, we keep in the women and children. And then we see, no, we start taking out with bucket and doesn't help. For example, if we take in one bucket water, we throw out its compounded bucket because we need the water pump. Before boat is sink, before 2 o'clock p.m. Indonesia time, first it's come airplane, airplane with perpara. They come sick, they flying in top us. And what we did, and we been close, and we make smoke, you understand? We make yes. pilot shot. And then we waiting. We waiting from two o'clock to three, a quarter past three, and nobody come. Half people, people drown with the boat and the, in the ocean. And in the night time, it's come three boat, not two, three. Two large and one small. I didn't see third one. Just I heard. The third one, it's like exactly like security for this big large ships. The ships come closer to us or the waves, they push us to them. And we come in closer, 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 closer to them. And after we yelling, we start yelling, please help me, please help me. And after, and every life jacket, we wearing small life jacket, very thin, very weak, it has small whistle. And we start to whistle, and after they starting for us, they switch on, switch light, big light. And they watch on one by one. How we drowning, how we dying, even they didn't pick up even one child two years or five years old. And they stay with us about half an hour or more. If you want to ask me, Faris, what looked the boy? Look like tourist boy, boy or look like transport ships? No, Navy ships. Yes. Navy ships and very large. Were those people smugglers recognisable or ever caught? Yes, they catch them but after they let them free. Who let them free? The Indonesians? I don't know. Do we know the names of those people? Yes, smugglers? I know. Just they just they catch one. Catch one, his name Khalid Dawood. He's Halpa for Abu Qasai because Abu Qasai his boss. His right arm for Abu Qasai. And the left arm, his name Mason. A small handful of these survivors were then picked up by an Indonesian fishing boat that was nearby. Mr. Captain, I remember his name, Muhammad. Once picked up by the nearby Indonesian fishing boat, the survivors were told they would be taken back to Indonesia. The survivors argued, but Christmas Island is so much closer. Why are you going to take us all the way back to Indonesia? The fishing captain explained, that he would get into trouble if they tried to take them to Christmas Island. So how did you come to Australia? I come June, October happened, the disaster. United Nations, they make for us 45 case for 45 people of civics. They sent to Australian embassy, just they keep seven. Australian embassy, what they did, they reject 38. They keep seven. 
why. That when a person visits the grave of a friend, they place a stone at the grave as a sign that they have been there. So that the people of the Civex should not be consigned to the oblivion of forgottenness. In 2005, when we first raised these poles, we said at the time that they now have a place in Australia. The place that they were seeking is here. And we gather to make sure that they are remembered. We have to acknowledge that there are those who would make the judgment that these asylum seekers were people of no account. They're illegals. No names, no documents, no rights, and they deserve no grave. This memorial countermands that judgment in a most emphatic way. This memorial and those of us who stand here with with the people that are represented by them say that these are people who matter to God, to us who now stand here with them and declare we remember you. We declare they are wives, mothers, children, men who matter. They are persons with names and an identity forged not by documentation but rights as human beings by relationships. Their rights as human beings desperately seeking relief from oppression and persecution trying to find a safe place sought a share in our land that they too like us might learn to call it home. And we believe so it is. This now is their home. Here to stay. You're on Refugee Radio this week on 3CR. We've just been listening to a recording around the Chev X tragedy remembering the 20 year anniversary. We are now going to be listening to another recording which is by a survivor as well from the Chev X boat, and this recording is titled Hope Street Chevex. There can be uh, a few moments of uh, silence within this recording, so please be patient. Thank you.
I asked my God why I'm still alive. I said, maybe I'm still alive because maybe I'm going to tell the world what happened to us. I'm going to tell the story about the tragedy of our boat. I'm going to talk about the children and their dreams. I'm going to talk about the women and their dreams. I'm going to talk about the men, how they suffered in my country. I'm going to tell what happened to Iraqi people, why we escaped from our country. It was at this exhibition dedicated to the Civex disaster that I first heard of Amal Basri. Three years earlier, and just after the events of 9-11, she had boarded a people smuggling boat heading for Australia from Indonesia. All such boats detected by the Australian government were called sieves, suspected illegal entry vessels, and given a number. This one became X for unknown. The boat sank. 146 children, 142 women, and 65 men are known to have drowned. Amal was one of the 45 survivors. On Friday, 19th of October 2001, the smugglers took us by bus from Jakarta to Sumatra Island. And from Sumatra Island, we traveled by boat to Christmas Island. I asked the smuggler before what the boat looked like. They told me big boat and it have everything. They have radio, satellite, uh, safe jacket, food, bathroom. But when I arrived, I found nothing, to have nothing. My son, he sit upstairs and he want to check everything because he's scared. He tried to call Abu Qusayt, the smuggler, but he told me that the radio not work. Second day, the motor stopped. The people try to fix the motor, but they can't. Suddenly, the water come up and the woman shout, the water come, the death come, we're going to die. I can't believe myself. I look down, really, the water come quickly. And it looked like someone touched my heart and pushed me down. I didn't shout. I just looked at the people. I look like camera. I watch everything. I watch the people, how they scream. Someone said, all my family, I lose all my family. Some woman, she said, I lose my children. I'm going to die. I don't like to still alive. And I feel so sorry for children. They have nice dream about Australia. When I live with them in the same hotel, they ask me, what do you think Australia look like? I told them to look like paradise. There is a boy, his name Sajjad. I saw him when he died beside me. 
He asked me, do you think if I'm arrived in Australia, I'm going to have PlayStation? I told him, yes. He asked me, do you think I'm going to feel happy? I told him, yes, you're going to be safe. There is no Saddam, no nothing. You're going to be safe in Australia. You're going to be happy. He said, wow, I'm interesting. I want, I want to go to Australia tomorrow. They had small dreams, but the water killed their dreams. I draw this picture when I feel upset. This is me and the children around me, and this boy, Sajjad, and I still remember his voice when he shout and he's swallowing the water. And maybe this woman, she's their mother. I don't know. I going to hold her body. This woman, she going to save me, but I didn't know. And this is my son. He still touched the boat. He told me, Mom, please come and save me. He told me, I can't swim, Mom. In that moment, some dead body flat up. She wearing a safe jacket. I didn't wear a safe jacket in that moment. So when I touch her body and I swim, swim with one hand to my son's side, and my son, he looked to her, and he took her safe jacket and he gave it to me. So it means he saved me. He saved my life. Big wave pushed me far away from my son. And I still remember when he said, goodbye, mom, maybe I see you in paradise. And that night, I saw three lights. I start to shout, help, help, help me. And in that moment, I heard many, many voices shout, help, help, help. I understand I'm not alone. I heard them voice, the people on the ship, and I heard the horn of the ship, but they didn't move, they didn't save anyone. I heard in the morning, many, many people, they left the wood and they killed themselves because they feel hopeless. And when the sun start to shine, this boat move, they go away, and they didn't save anyone. In the morning, I said, God, please forgive me. I'm going to kill myself because I feel tired. I feel there is no one going to help me. And I think maybe my son, he's died. I tried to put myself down the ocean. I started to swallow the water but it was very hard. In that moment, I heard some voice for motor. I think maybe I have a dream or maybe I'm going to be crazy. But I turned my face. There is a boat, Indonesian fisherman. And I also saw many, many birds. And they shout, it looked like they talk with me. I asked myself, why this bird shout? It looked like they show the fisherman my, my body. When they came close and they touched my body, I laid to the woman, the dead body. 
and I say to her, thank you so much, you saved my life. And I asked the Indonesian fisherman, please, can you save this woman? They told me, no, we, we didn't go to save any dead bodies. Finally, I saw my son, and he touched some small wood. And when they saved him, it looked like a surprise when he saw me. I told him, oh, my poor son, welcome to life again. I love you so much. And when he saw me, I still remember his tears. When he saw, Mom, you're still alive. We are lucky. And I hug him. And he sleep with my arm like the, like small bird. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. And we've come now to the end of Refugee Radio this week on 3CR, remembering the Shevex disaster on the 19th of October 2001. Just listen to a recording named Hope Street Shevex. And we're going to be finishing with a song by local artist Ross McLean and the song Now About Shevex. Thank you for listening. of office the coffin colored bodice and tie crime scene cleaners exchange dead eyes they've come to kill As they've been killed Nothing left them But to swim They'd have you believe It doesn't take a lot To choose For a mother to let go of all she's got to lose These arms are your own again Nothing left you But to swim
God's creatures down in the darkest reaches witness the drown. Unfathomable features, neither smile nor frown. Up a lot of night For a guy with no sight And poor sight No 